0: Good morning, everyone. Before I share this next uh, segment of Advent this morning, I'd like just to celebrate something with you. Uh, On Thursday, we had our last uh, Moreton Bay Community Matters Day uh, distributing food hampers, and there were 130 food hampers distributed on Thursday. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. So since May there must be around two and a half. Since May we've distributed around two and a half thousand food hampers um, and touched many lives and had connections with lots of people. And some stories that came out at our little Christmas lunch with the volunteers, we have about 30 volunteers and most of those are from the community and many of them have, are on their journey towards God but haven't got, quite got there just yet. So we're journeying with them on that journey. And uh, some of the stories that we had at the Christmas lunch were just amazing. One story about how someone was just about ready to commit suicide on the, on the footpath, and uh, they p- got picked up, And now they're one of our volunteers at um, Moreton Bay Community Matters and they find hope in their life again uh, by being part of a community, by being part of a family and being loved and accepted just the way that they are. And uh, I think that's something that we as a church should celebrate because it's this, it's you who make that happen by having a facility where people can come and... uh, and join in and be free to be here. And uh, then on Thursday afternoon, we had a Māori, uh, that's for you who don't understand, it's Māori, uh, to say it properly, it's Māori. Uh, isn't that correct? Yeah, Māori. <laughs> Māori, yep. Uh, dance troupe, and they've been practising here, uh, children to teenagers, and they're going to be performing at our carols uh, this afternoon and they performed for the World Cup uh, as well. And they said to me, I I was with them on on Thursday afternoon, and they said, we just love coming here. And I said, why do you love coming here? Because it has this sense of welcome and it's really friendly and we just love being here. And that's the, the sense of the presence of God about this place as a physical place, but it's about you as a church as well. It speaks of the culture of this church. And then on Friday, uh, Churches of Christ families what do they call them for the Jerry, the families' children and families thing, whatever They're, they have a what the thing, that's it. Um, and they call also um, Churches of Christ families together, and uh, their' offices at Caboolture and they look after this region. And they connect with families who have been referred through child protection have been referred through uh, because of domestic violence, uh, lots of social issues in these families. And so it was here, we, uh, Hayden and I jumped buses, Hayden went to Bribe and get the Church of Christ bus out of there and we got our bus and we picked up families from Caboolture right through to Brackenridge, and they came here and had a couple of, um, jumping castles and craft and lots of things on for those families to come and uh, enjoy Christmas together. So, we hosted a family Christmas for them uh, on Friday from 11 till 3, and each of them got a food hamper to take home, and really lovely. And when I dropped the couple of families I had home, they said, We've just had the most wonderful time. Thank you so much for including us and welcoming us. Uh, to your place, and so I think that's wonderful. Things I wanted to share just those few things that have been happening this last week, that we get to connect with a community and show the love of Jesus to people who might we might never ever connect with, uh, but we are now, which is really really exciting. And I want to just particularly honour Luke for all of his uh, strong and wonderful leadership to Moreton Bay Community Matters this year. And if it wasn't for Luke's leadership, it wouldn't be where it is today. So I just... And yeah. just like the Pays team, we've only got him for a year left. Uh, Jerry and, and Luke and the kids will be here for the next year. And this time next year, they'll be heading off uh, on their posting wherever the army decides to send them into the Never Never or into Whoop Whoop Land or wherever the army sends you. Uh the Army is the that sort of organisation where you say, I'd like to go there, so they send you there. Uh, <laughs> it's just... So we, we continue to celebrate having them in our midst uh, for the next year. And there's one thing Kai and Leonie left for Germany uh, this week, amidst many of our tears. And uh, I've been w- connecting with Kai every day um, since then. And I'd like... To, uh, for you to pray for him because now he's suffering or struggling through reverse culture shock. Um, it's, a, it's a phenomenon. So if someone comes to another country and they come into the culture, they get culture shock. He's been immersed in our culture for two years. He goes back to Germany and he's suffering culture shock again. Uh, so it's been a bit tough for, for Kai in these last um, few days. So pray for those guys as they settle back home. Uh, interesting he went to Hong Kong for a day on the way back and I don't know if any of you know of this uh, mega church pastor from the United States called Joel Osteen and uh, uh, not that I would connect with much of Joel Osteen's theology but uh, uh, Kai met them and had a conversation with him and his wife in Hong Kong Um, so I said mate your, your influence is spreading already. <laughs> and so this morning we go on to our third, third week of Advent. We first went and had a look at the miracle of the moment. at Just at the right time, God sent his son. And last week we looked at the miracle of the message and today we're looking at the miracle of the method. uh and I hope this thing, it will work today. Yeah. Look at that. Magic. Um, and so one of the, the mysteries and miracles of Christmas that has always fasc, fascinated me ever since I was a child, and I don't know if it fascinated you, I was always wondered how it was possible that Santa could deliver presents to every house in the world in one night every boy and girl, in every house, in the world, in one night. I always really struggle with that and I do still struggle with it. It's it's quite mind-boggling, isn't it? When you think about it, maybe you've wondered it too. Let's have a look at this little video. Well, who could work that out? (laughs) I can tell just looking by your faces that you're still mind-boggled about how he does it because I am, <laughs> and I'm not sure that I could... Yes, good on you, Brian. <laughs> and I'm not sure that any explanation will help satisfy my curiosity about how that can happen. Uh, maybe you think it's completely ridiculous. Well, I certainly do. But anyway, m- m- and we look at with quizzical expression when we think about such uh, myths and such wonders. Um Today I want to talk about the method of God in our world. And sometimes the method that God uses leaves us wondering. It leaves us quizzical, if you like. It, it is a, a thing that we think about. The way that we would do things is certainly not the way that God would do things. The way that God does things is something that we find quite bamboozling, if you like. So there's three things I want to look at today after I read to you these Bible readings. And these are just a foundation. Isaiah, uh, Philippians, sorry. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant A second one is from Isaiah. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of the vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. What beautiful pieces of scripture And as we consider Advent and as we consider and anticipate and expect the coming of Christ, not just in the Christmas season, but the coming and the anticipation and expectation of the coming of Christ in the second coming. But not only that, as we anticipate and we expect the the coming of Christ in in our lives every day, when he speaks with us every day, when he guides us every day, when he's present with us all of the time. These scriptures, if you take time to look at them, they come alive. And we see the method of God. For part of the the miracle of Christmas is the miracle of the method. God's methods are beyond our comprehension. For we read in, um, this is their first one, God's methods go beyond us. For we read in Romans, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable is his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Paul begins this doxology of praise of God, focusing on the greatness of God and how absolutely wonderful he is. His riches, wisdom and knowledge are great beyond measure. And really, we will be searching for all eternity and never find the ends of them. His methods are beyond our understanding, aren't they? Honestly, when you look, think about God's methods throughout history, but in particular in the Christmas story, it makes about as much sense as the video explanation or try to, the quotes that, the, that we saw before, that the elves do it for him. Yeah, right it's as silly as that sorts of those explanations if we were writing the script of the redemption of mankind we would certainly have written it quite differently than the way god wrote it for god chose to reveal himself to us in the greatest grandest possible way in a way that we could understand so he came into the world as a helpless defenseless baby I was holding my twins, my twin um, grandchildren yesterday, and uh, yes, I am quite um, – hang on, did I flick that? Uh, and I was quite taken with them, of course, because they're beautiful and they're the best babies in the world, uh, but thinking about Jesus, when he came, he was a defenceless little child. And how God came into the world in that manner. God chose to be born to humble poor parents. He wasn't born in a palace but in a stable. He was born to this young couple whose hearts were pure but who held no worldly influence. They were plain, ordinary, obscure individuals. That's who they were. Yet they were the ones that God chose to be the parents of Jesus. I probably wouldn't have chosen them if it was up to me. Isaiah 55, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's methods are different from our methods. Aren't they? We shouldn't be surprised at God's methods, though. He chose Abraham to leave his home and and to travel to a place of promise. He chose Joseph, the second youngest son of Jacob, to become the savior of his family. He he chose Israel, the least significant nation, to be his special people. He chose David, the shepherd boy, and and not any of his older brothers to become the king of the Israel, but not only that, to kill a giant. He chose Bethlehem, a small insignificant dot, uh, on the landscape of Israel to be the birthplace of Jesus. He, his methods are different to ours. Over and over and over and over again, God chooses plain, ordinary people through whom he could do his extraordinary work. He chooses plain, ordinary churches, local churches, to do an extraordinary work into their communities, like 130 food hampers on a Thursday morning. How impossible is it for us to understand God's decisions and methods? Luke records his account of Christ's birth that Mary and Joseph travelled to Bethlehem to register for the census, the, the Roman census. And while, they, they, while there, the time came for the baby to be born. And so she wrapped her son in clo- uh, swaddling cloths and placed him in the manger because there was no room for them in the inn. We know the story. It happens every year. Yes. <laughs> A manger, that feeding trough for animals... The stable, a barn. Joseph, being the good husband he was, probably tried to clean the trough out and put some clean straw in it and uh, and move the manure away from the place where they're going to have a fresh baby and keep the cross infection away from the child. And, and uh, yep, it was still a barn. It was still a trough. The people were expecting a Messiah, and for 400 years between Malachi and Matthew, they were expecting a Messiah. It had been uh, Jesus had been prophesied about seven or eight hundred years before, and so the people were looking forward to this Messiah. And yet, when the Magi came and they went to the Jewish king. Herod, the king of Judea, and said, we're looking for the king of the Jews, he's just been born, and Herod, whoa, what's this king of the Jews business, and he got quite agitated and quite upset about that, and if you read in verse 3 of Matthew chapter 2, it says, and so was Jerusalem, All all of the people were upset as well, not just Herod, why? Because Jesus was, or the Messiah wasn't supposed to come that way. He was supposed to come as the victor, as the warrior, as the one who would take over everything and deliver them from all of their troubles. They looked in the wrong spot. Not only does God's methods go beyond us, but God's methods include us. For to celebrate this occasion, the angels announced the, the news of Christ's birth. But to whom did they go to share this wonderful news? Was it the business leaders or the, the civil leaders, the civic leaders of, of Bethlehem? No. Where did they go to? Yeah, right, the shepherds. Who'd go to shepherds? These outcasts of society. These ones have been pushed aside, and the only thing they could do was look after sheep. They had nothing else in their life. No kings, no queens, no military leaders were told. Nothing but shepherds. So God chose to make this grand announcement to simple shepherds fulfilling their responsibility to care for their flocks. I guess there is the the, the message in there that you tell it to the under shepherds that the great shepherd is here. And there is a link there, of course. But the more you think about it, the more incredible the whole story becomes. It's almost unbelievable. Part of the miracle of Christmas is the miracle of method because God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. I'd love to see, be able to read the ripple effect of Ian Todd's life as he ministers to all of the police that he ministers to over the years that he's ministered to them and what the difference has been made in their lives. You, God uses ordinary people like Ian Todd to do extraordinary things through many people, through many police officers. One day when uh, Luke becomes an army chaplain full-time, the ripple effect of his life will be far more than we can ever measure. If we look at lots of different lives and lots of different people, ordinary people doing extraordinary things, God chooses. Isn't that awful? awesome? Isn't that awesome? That God would use us because we're all the same. None of us are better than the other. God uses ordinary people. Think about this miracle of method for just a minute. Following his resurrection from the dead, Jesus appeared in that society first to a group of women. In that society, they were the second class. He didn't show up at the temple and boast to the Sanhedrin and the religious people. See, I did it. From a human perspective, we we would write the script so that Jesus rises from the dead and returns to Jerusalem to prove just that he was right and blast a lot of them. That's what I would do, all guns blazing. But God's plan was different. Following his resurrection, Jesus revealed himself to his followers and gave them the responsibility to go and make disciples in Jerusalem, Judea, all Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth, baptising them and teaching them to obey everything that he commanded. To that small band of followers, Jesus entrusted the good news of salvation. To this small band of followers, Jesus entrusts the good news of salvation. Think about the magnitude of what Jesus did. Think about this. The salvation of the world, of the whole world, rested in the hands of these few simple, ordinary people. How impossible is it for us to understand his decisions and methods? God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Paul commented on this this method, that God uses ordinary people. And when he wrote in 1 Corinthians we may get excited and celebrate the things and the achievements that have happened through like morton bay community matters but morton bay community matters can never boast before god because it's god who works through it's god who is doing it through us as churches of christ with in queensland with a with a uh, turnover of 270 million dollars a year it's not the churches of christ that can boast but it's All the glory goes to God for what he does through that organisation. God's methods haven't changed. He still uses ordinary people. He still uses you and me. Our abilities are not as important as our attitude and our availability for God has entrusted to us the good news of salvation and if it was up to my ability, it probably would go only a little way. If it was up to your ability, we would all fall short. It's good for us that God can use even the simplest vessels to accomplish the great things, though. And our last point is God's methods sanctify us. Now, that's a big uh, Bible word, sanctify. And I want to help you to understand that it could mean God's methods purify us. For sanctification is the act or process of, um, of being made or becoming holy. To sanctify is to literally set apart for particular use in a special purpose or work and to make holy or sacred or to purify. That's what it means. It's not... Once we begin the spiritual journey through faith in Christ, we would, we would ever be growing in our love and devotion for him 100% of the time, 24 hours a day. We would never have any problems. Life would be heavenly bliss until that day when we finally arrive in our eternal home, if only. It's not that. It's not that. But we experience problems and pains and and pressures. We experience struggles and sometimes sickness. We experience temptations and failures. We take one step forward in our spiritual growth and it seems to be that we follow it with three steps back. Is that like for you sometimes? One step forward and three steps back. There are victories and celebrations followed by defeats and despair. This is not the way we would have it. But God has it that way. Why does he have it that way? I I can't answer all of the questions as to why things have happened in your life or my life. But I can tell you that when going through the circumstances we don't understand, we are not left to despair. We can trust that God is at work in our lives for our good. We must choose to believe that God is working to shape us and mould us so that we become more like Jesus more holy and that's what purifying is to become more like Jesus this is what requires us to believe in what he's promised in this and we know that all things work to that God thing God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose and that has an eternal context not just an immediate context even when the angel appeared to Mary to tell her ...that she would be the mother of God's son. Imagine that poor young girl. She'd never laid with a man and yet she was becoming pregnant. How does that work? There was no way she could have predicted all that the revelation meant to her... ...the revelation of the angels. Joseph had no idea what it would be involved... ...when he obediently responded to the angel's message... Not to divorce Mary, but to take her as his wife. Joseph and Mary endured shame. Imagine for these people. They endured shame and accusations and jibes and and embarrassment and ridicule. They they suffered all of these things at the hands of their community. But they also experienced the miracle of seeing God become flesh right before their eyes. They experienced God. And if you remember that video last week and the message, the, the miracle of the, me- the message when that little girl, the deaf girl, got up on Chris Kringle's lap and she just wanted to see Kris Kringle and he signed to her. Jesus came so that we could encounter him personally, one-on-one, face-to-face so that he could speak into our lives in the way that we understand, in the way that touches our hearts. In a way that we can experience him. For the Christian life is not just about a cognitive belief. It's not just about reading uh, words on a page. It's about an encounter with the living God and experiencing him. And a continual experiencing God. God wants us to experience him. For he experiences us by coming to this earth and emptying himself and living the way we live and walking through the pains that we walked and being tempted in all ways as we were, yet without sin. He came to this earth so that he could walk just the same way as we do. So that he could identify with us and and experience that so that we could experience him. Man, what a God. Man. God is at work in our lives to produce a beautiful tapestry. And I don't know if you've known this story, and I'll finish with this story. Corrie Ten Boom, she read a book called The Hiding Place. She was a Dutch lady, and her family, was it in Amsterdam? In Amsterdam, they would hide uh, Jews in hiding places within their house. And eventually they were caught and sent to concentration camp and she lost her parents and her sister, Betsy, died in the prisoner of war camp and she survived and uh, she had this lovely, wonderful relationship with God and she experienced God. And uh, once upon once, many years later, a, a journalist came or a reporter came to speak with her and uh as they sat in the room, she had been doing a tapestry on a frame in front of her, you know, the, the stand-up frames. And the reporter said to her, and how can you say when your, your family have all been slaughtered in the concentration camps and you experience the, the dreadful things in the German concentration camps, how can you say that God loves you and that God has a purpose for you? not exact words, but this is the sort of question he was asking. And what she did, she had this tapestry frame and she flipped over the tapestry frame and she said, look under the back of this tapestry with all the knots and the strings and they're going from here to there and there to here and there. there. It's a mess. And when we look at our lives, our lives look like a terrible mess with knots and strings all over the place and there's no order to it but then she's flipped the tapestry back over and she looked, said to the, the, the reporter, but look, God knows the finished picture. Our God knows our finished picture. Our God has weaved a tapestry of our lives so that when we trust him, he will complete the picture. He will complete the beautiful tapestry. He's at work in your life even though it looks a bit messy sometimes. Continue to follow him and your life will be richly blessed. The miracle of the method is that God uses extraordinary people like you and me to accomplish extraordinary things for the sake of the kingdom. He took his his son, emptied himself, and became as a servant rather than a victor. He came to live the life of a human rather than lorded over the Romans. He came in a method that we wouldn't choose, for the miracle of the method is that God is at work in our lives in ways that we don't understand. Therefore, we must choose to trust what we know to be true because of what he has revealed through his son. That's why we hand out food hampers, because it's the life of his son through us to love people that's why we we pick up the person who is suicidal off the footpath, because it's the life of his son through us to show them that there's life rather than death. It's through us that God shines the light and brings the life of Christ. So we must choose to believe that God is working in us and through us for our good and His glory, and He's working and weaving that beautiful tapestry. Jesus came as the sovereign Lord because he came to proclaim the good news to the poor. He was sent to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, to comfort all those who mourn. That's the miracle of the method. What a beautiful thing. Let's pray. Father God, When we look at your methods and if we had a choice, we would choose something completely different. And yet when we do your work, whether it seems mundane or exciting, it seems like plodding or running, in all of it you work. Through 130 food hampers on a Thursday morning or helping some families in crisis when they're struggling, Or picking up a person who is down and out on a footpath? Or speaking into a business person the life of Jesus and the the message of the gospel? Or is it sitting beside a person who's dying in their bed? In whatever way it is that you use us, dear God, you are using us to bring the life of your son, that beautiful Lord Jesus, who came as a servant, so that we could experience him. This method we don't understand, but this method you choose to use in us as well. These ordinary people doing extraordinary things for the glory of God. So we say, take us and use us. This Christmas, even this afternoon when we have this carols event, when people from the community would come, use this bunch of ordinary people to do some extraordinary things in someone's life to change them and to see them through to salvation. Oh God, we just lay ourselves before you today in surrender and say thank you for using us. Amen.